Welcome to The Director's Take, a podcast where we explore how you go from directing something with your mates to being the most senior decision maker on a film set. I'm Marcus Thomas. And I'm Oz Arshad, and we are both writer directors at the beginning of our TV and feature film directing journeys. The pathway doesn't exist, so we are going to do our best to help you bridge the gap. So hello and welcome to the new episode of The Director's Take. For today we've got an amazing guest. I'm sure it's going to be super, super helpful to everyone out there. It's about intimacy. So a little bit about Louise. She undertook her BA acting at Rose Bruford College 2002 and has been working in the theatre and screen industry since 2005. She was introduced to puppetry in 2011 when performing in War Horse in London's West End and she puppeteered Baby Joey for over a year and went on to be part of a team performing a vignette from the show at the NT Live 50th birthday celebrations. Louise graduated from Guildhall School of Music and Drama in 2018 with an MA in Movement and also trained with Intimacy Onset under the mentorship of Ito O'Brien and has worked extensively as an associate member ever since. Since then, she's gone on to work on film and TV projects such as Chloe, Matriarch, Gangs of London, The Pope's Exorcist, The Great, and the Apple TV series Foundation, amongst many others. Louise's work is super important in creating dynamic and exciting choreography whilst maintaining a safe environment for the performers. So we're super excited to have them here. Welcome to the director's take, Louise Kempton. Thank you very much, Marcus. Lovely to meet you both. Thanks for having me. So, first things first, top line question. What is an intimacy coordinator? Um, so, intimacy coordinator... I suppose it depends on who's doing the role. It's, it's, a quite, it's still a very individual job. Like um, what is a director, I suppose, is quite an interesting question. It depends on who the director is. But ultimately, we are employed by productions um, and companies to come in and facilitate the working of intimate content in the script. So we help with the physicality of that. Uh, we also support on a level the well-being of your actors but we're there to mitigate risk you know like um like a stunt coordinator comes in and they hopefully create a really juicy exciting frightening fight for example but they are also there as a health and safety team member to make sure that that fight is created in a safe um environment that the cast are all um, you know in their bodies that the content is um correct and that everyone is you know working within protocols and in a safe and happy environment. So yeah, we, we come in and do that, that sort of level of care, but with content that is to do with intimacy, intimate content. And whilst we're here as well, because you're also a movement director, we could do a separate episode on that, I'm sure. But it would be interesting to know what a movement director is. Yeah, so like, so a movement, so in theatre, you tend to call it movement director. Working now with TV more, you tend to be the movement coach because there tends to be just one director in the space in TV. Uh, so the movement coach. And so again, it kind of depends what you're brought in for. You might be brought in as a movement direct director to choreograph something quite specific. Like, so you're doing like a choreographic, like more of a dance, something more obvious, or you're creating the world of the space of, of that theater. So if it's set in the 1920s or something, you help come in and create the general ambiance, how people move, how they walk in those clothes. You know, you help to create the style of a piece. All you're in to do in theater often happens like scene changes, try and make a sexy scene change, like something smooth and coherent. Or there's something like, you know, as a movement director or a movement coach, it might be more 
uh, character specific. So like the individual actor might be working on a particular role that they need physicality of that that character and that person. You know, those are people very, very famous and doing really well. Polly Bennett is a wonderful movement director coach and she's worked she worked on the latest Elvis, you know. Which is amazing. I was so like blown away by by him in that. Yeah. Um and I'm sure it's not work he would have just done on his own. Like it's yeah. Yeah, so Polly like and she's and she's done loads and 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 the amazing guy Toby Sedgwick, I think he worked on like um the Lauren and Hardy star. So, you know, there might be sort of character specifics where people are playing particular roles where they really and, and and yeah, I think Polly did the Freddie Mercury one as well, you know. So really looking at the physicality of a, a human being. Um so that could be something that a movement coach does. Or, you know, like recently I worked as a movement coach on a job where I was helping a certain uh, child actor and that actor, I won't name specifics, had like a particular illness and I was helping them with the physicality of that and how it would affect the body, you know. So it, that's that's the movement, movement coach, movement director on, on one level. Um, and then obviously you have the choreographer, which is a bit more obvious, like doing the set dances, but often there's a bleed between those kind of roles. And then the intimacy uh, director, for me, is definitely influenced from my movement directing because it's a it's a... Ito O'Brien talked about it could be in a physical uh, body dance, you know. And, um, these moments of intimacy are—it's a physical piece of storytelling, just like a stand, just like another piece of physical moment that might happen. If you could tell us more about your background and how you got into the industry and started as an intimacy coordinator. Yeah, I suppose it's been like a long kind of journey, really. So yeah, you said at the beginning, it's like, oh my god, you've given away my age, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I trained at Rosebury for two thousand. I did like my acting degree a long time ago. Uh, 2002, 2005, and so I worked, yeah, mainly in theatre as an actor. But I was always just—I had two incredible movement teachers whilst I was at drama school. Um, uh, Danny McGraw and Shona Morris, and then there was other teachers as well that came in. And and like it, the body and acting through the body was always—I was just always connected into that part of my drama training, um, and fascinated by how we tell stories with the body. Uh, and then also. I think very much, I think always much, very much a carer of people, like really cons- um, considerate of how people feel. And I don't know, you know, like little things, threads come into your life. Um, and then typically as an actor, you know, I was all doing okay, but it was also, you know, the in-between jobs. I was still busting tables at my mate's restaurant, you know, fantastic restaurant, by the way. Can I name dropping it? Somsa. Yeah, Somsa, best Thai food in town. Um, and also two Thai restaurants, I worked at the Begging Bowl in Peckham as well, so if you're local southeast. But anyway, that's how I survived, like, and that and um, doing classic teaching system work, working with SEN children. Um, so, yeah, I was always looking after people in my downtime from acting, you know, on a set level. And I think I just got to my mid-30s and I was just sort of going, well, what am I doing? You know, like, I love the acting jobs, but when you're not doing that in between, it's where are you going? And I just sort of serendipity bumped into my movement teacher again, Danny in a coffee shop and he's like well why don't you just come and do the movement MA with me and I was just like so then and there he opened up the application for me um, and it's quite a specific course they only take two people on a year because you're kind of planted in with the BA acting course so it's a really bespoke um, it's it's, just, it's no longer happening at the moment but it's yeah very bespoke course and so yeah I did two years I sort of stopped work did everything and did two years full-time again in, in movement and it was beautiful and and Whilst I was there, that's when I first started. Danny was like, oh, this thing about intimacy going on, you know, because it's happened in, started in the drama schools. Um, you know, stuff was happening outside, absolutely. But then 
very much in the drama training. It was then being introduced as part of the, you know, their, their lessons and pro, you know, process of an actor. Um, and I was recommended by a couple of people to Ito O'Brien, um, Rebecca Gatwood, a really fantastic um, theatre director, but she she now does TV. She did um, some of them Bad Sisters that I did recently uh, for Apple. Yeah, and so she directed that. So she recommended me as well to Ita. And it was just kind of like, I was like, oh, this does sound really interesting. It's very much, and Ita's, she's an uh, intimacy coordinator who very much is from the movement kind of movement acting side. There's other directors who come from stage fight and different sort of pathways in, but she was very much movement. So that really spoke to my sort of way of thinking. And Ita Brian was a bit of a pioneer in all this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's lots of people. This is the thing. So it's not just, you know, there's there's loads of people who've been making their way. But yeah, Ita has definitely been one of the prominent um, people out there. And she's been an amazing force who's been, you know, really pushing the intimacy work. You know, and, and there's the Alicia Ron- uh, Rodis in America, um, and then there's uh, Yarrick Dorr and, and Lizzie Tolbert. They were like, you know, there's all these big names who sort of really got the ball rolling. So, yeah, I was, it was kind of right time and right place because I think I was in that place of learning, doing my MA of movement. I was like a bit of a sponge and I was just sort of available because I'd put acting on pause. So, therefore, I was available to really step in. I think it's, you know, like you shut a door so another one can open. And, and I think also that what was really beautiful for me was that actually all my acting because I still do bits of acting and I still you know I'm still on you know do the old commercial whatever keep a hand in but my toe in but it's like I think that absolutely I don't think I could do this job if I didn't have that acting background personally and the movement background because you really need to understand an actor's process or at least have an in-depth knowledge and experience of being on set or being in those situations and knowing how to talk to an actor you know so yeah, that's a bit of a long-winded way, but that's how I've sort of stumbled across it and then just was available at the right time to really go into deep. And then I sort of was mentored. I did Eater's training and was mentoring for a couple of years with her. Amazing. Brilliant. And why do you think that in the last, I don't know how long now, maybe what, five, six years, there's there's been an increase in the need for intimacy coordinators in the industry. And, and could you give us some ideas on how you think things were done before or rather they weren't done before? Well, it's so hard because it's like... I think good practice around intimacy has been done before. It's like we haven't invented the wheel. We just, the the role is new, as in giving it a title, but the way of working and methods of working are not, people have been doing this, you know, it just hasn't been standard protocol across across the board. So there have been movement directors who've been working in this way. There have been choreographers and fights and, you know, coordinators. There have been directors who've been working in really good way. But also there's been things that haven't been great, you know, because there hasn't been a standard. So I think since, you know, it is amazing now that there is, you know, we have got a title and therefore there is a set space for that kind of work to happen. But I just also don't want to sort of say it wasn't happening before at all. Do you know what I mean? It was, it definitely is now amazing how it is. I, you know, I stepped onto set in 2019 and people didn't know what an intimacy coordinator was, like certain crew members. Now everyone knows who we are, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it's amazing how quickly, um, that our role has become accepted and acknowledged. But yeah, I just also want to appreciate that people have been working well before us or two, you know, um, there's a, I don't know how many people have watched the show, but it's no longer on air. It's called the idol. One of the opening scenes of the first episode they have an intimacy coordinator 
who they, they lock him in the toilet because they feel that the intimacy coordinator is interfering and blocking how sexualized they want this particular scene to look. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> it was interesting just to see that that's how well known the role has become now that you know they put it into fiction yeah you could i think it's you know taking the piss out of it it's totally fine it means it's a recognized thing yeah if you can't yeah if 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 the joke won't fall fall flat if you don't know what it is (laughs) so yeah i know it's hard to have those digs but it's also you know it's definitely framed in element of truth and people's experience and also people's attitudes towards it so you know and you hear of all these horrible shitty horror stories of certain instances in the past where there has been really bad bad behavior and and really heartbreaking to hear like how actors you know young actors not just young but whole careers have sort of you know been lost because of really bad situations that have affected their um, their career which is which is heartbreaking and you know it shouldn't happen in the workplace sexual assault um shouldn't happen anywhere but like you know in a place of work uh, with your colleagues um watched by others you know that's not on you know and sadly things still are getting slip up things still happen we're still human and mistakes are being made and the role is still new and we're evolving and also we're not always wanted on set it's totally true that that comedy sketch with the locking someone in the loop i've been asked not to be on set before you know because the you know the cast of dean they not not felt and or the director has not wanted that presence because sometimes yeah, they feel that it makes people feel more uncomfortable. And I think it's really interesting because that's when we're still learning to understand what the role is. And this may be preconceived, you know, ideas about who we are in the space. Often that happens if you haven't been able to have any contact, you know, it rarely happens if you've actually met the people and had a decent sort of conversation with them. Um, so yeah, that, that joke is still true sometimes. Yeah, going back to your question of like how it's changed, I think, or did you, yeah, it was like how the increase of intimacy coordinators. Yeah, I think also like content. I mean, and I know it's been talked about before, but we sat down during COVID and watched all the, you know, all these lovely shows that made us long to be touched and be with other people. And so, and the content is becoming more varied and more diverse. I do believe it's getting there. But I do think there's a lot of sexualized content on TV. And, and whether you think that's a good thing or not, if you could talk us through the process a bit. So how do you get brought onto projects? At what point do you usually get involved? Well, it depends on the project. Like ideally you get brought on as early as possible. Uh, so you are with the company before they start shooting. So, you know, in the preparation stages, if you're having rehearsal week, weeks or whatever during that prep, in some instances, I've had the luxury, I worked recently on a, a lovely job, 15 Love, that's just coming out on Amazon Prime. And it was great because the director got me in during the rehearsal process so I could really de- um, have some time with the two lead cast so we could develop a physical language with each other and understand the content. And because and, they had this sort of history of quite a violent sort of uh, intimate relationship from the past. It was unconsensual, un- un- you know, non-consenting um, uh, incident happened so we wanted to create that sort of history without actually doing it so we did some real physical that was very much when I was really moved the movement stuff so we used a physical bit of interaction and they had rehearsal and we could create that world before coming to set we also rehearsed scenes prior to um, shooting so that was like quite early on in the prep stage sometimes you're just brought in you know we need an intimacy coordinator on Friday can you come and then you're quickly sort of playing catch up so yeah, ideally I'd get sent the script, you read the whole script and we do something of an intimacy breakdown or, or, you know, most people do, you go through the whole script and you, I literally highlight everything from 
like a handhold to put on simulated sexual intercourse. And so everything is noted down. And then I go back to production and say, this is my intimacy breakdown. And I've highlighted what is I'm, I deem for essential support on set, essential sort of input to recommended, suggested to cast preference, you know, so you, you can go through the level and then, and then I have a check-in. So you probably go through that with like a bit of a page attorney with the director and key HOD roles. Ideally, <laughs> yes. In a, in a dream world, yeah, you get to do that with those lovely people. Often, sometimes it's too busy, uh, so you might just you you share it with them at least, and you speak at least with the director or the producer. Um, yeah, it'd be great to do that with, all the time with the first AD uh, and your question person. Often they're, they're like individual check-ins. You have to sort of catch up with those people individually. Um, and, you know, when you're working on stuff, as you guys know, like scripts change, they come through, they develop, you might have half a block, you know, but then episodes update and change as you go. So you, you, you deal with what you've got with, got to start with. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. So you, so you highlight and flag basically key moments. Say you might, you've got some nudity here. We've got, um, sexual intercourse here and oh we've got someone going to the toilet in this scene or shower have you thought about you know what's you know and on on the page you don't often know what's in shot it might just be it gets heavy they have sex or you know some writers it's really detailed but you know there's, there's a shower scene but you have no idea of what the director of the production's vision of that shower is it might be through you want to see the whole sort of body shape through frosted glass or it's in the shower with the you know looking down at the person or you just hear the shower from another mm, room mm. you know so it's like finding that out because also you're just finding out those details so you haven't got an actor in its place of like limbo not knowing oh i've got a shower scene coming up you know it's so we work i try and sort of have those conversations um that's why it's important for directors to have an understanding of what they want to do early as possible so that you can communicate those sorts of things for each aspect of it, right? Yeah. I think you touched on like costume, things like that you might not necessarily think are going to be affected, but that's going to affect the way you rehearse or do things on the day. If, if someone's wearing a certain thing, which is difficult to get off, you might be hoping to do it in a one take or something, and then it's going to fuck the whole timing of it. This is why you need to communicate everything early enough so you can kind of flag all these things up and get everything moving. Oh yeah, totally. If you've got like a, I don't know, 18 whole pair of DMs on and you want to have some <laughs> tight jeans and you want a quick scene where they whip in and off, it's, yeah, you have to sort of slip on, like it's just sort of, yeah, totally. You have to have some kind of vision about what's going on. And then hopefully those conversations start to flag it up. And and then, yeah, I would have like an in-depth conversation with the head of costume and the costume supervisors, like, Okay, we've got like a bunch of naked naked buttocks in that scene. We need to have some modesty pouches. We need tape. What's the? Do they need to be flesh tone? Just for the audience, what's a modesty pouch? So there's like a various sort of garments, underwear kind of type garments that we would say modesty wear. You know, we just give it the title as if you're modesty, um, and that can be you know you could have like some flesh coloured underwear uh, to things that have sort of padding or um, you know, specifically made to just sort of hide maybe the genitals or something like that. So a pouch, like the smallest sort of form of covering where you put the testes and the penis inside a pouch and pull the drawstring, you might then tape it onto your body as well. Or you have like little thongs, um, briefs. There's um, a fantastic company, again, called Intermask that makes, uh, in the UK, specifically make um, modesty wear for intimacy and things like that, modesty garments. And 
Um, so that, and they have like silicone pouches. So if you've got, say for example, a scene where there's some physical interaction, like um, a simulated sex scene, um, you could have these kind of, uh, these, uh, underwear that have these silicone molded pouch, like a box, but a soft, you know, like you don't want to be wearing a hard cricket box, but something that's softer. Um, you could have that pouch. You can also have, uh, we have briefs where you have pouches cover the buttocks as well you know so depending on the positioning so there's a whole wonderful variety um and also intimacy coordinators we all have cushions and little thing that you can add down pants and things or put between cast members if they're under sheets or covers you know you don't need to have full contact there because it's not seen so we, d we just went through something similar on a short i just did where the main character wears like Y-front pants for the entire film. And it was like a whole conversation about whether we needed an intimacy coordinator, but they were kind of fine without. And then there was a whole conversation with costume about like modesty pouches and stuff, whether that makes them feel comfortable so that like, you can't see through them at any point because it rains and things. I think the solution which we went with in the end was just because we had black actors as well. So like, and they're wearing white Y-fronts. So like chances of it being more see-through is a lot more obvious. Um, I think they settled upon like sewing in like a black lining into the underwear and that was fine that kind of covered the whole thing but yeah it, it's like a whole these are things you wouldn't even think about when you're making creative decisions but it comes from being open with a vision and having conversations figure them out yeah totally like yeah and costume departments are great at sort of making their own or adding extra padding yeah I'm doing a job at the moment I need to talk to costume departments I'm gonna have sort of 12 essays running across the space with their buttocks out and they all need pouches but we need to sort of so obviously they're going to be running so I'm like you know they need some kind of support but we need to see give this inferred full nudity but yeah um and 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 things you know yeah so you, costume department are great at adding bits you know you might have nipple daisies which are covers for just the nipples or I've done where you've sort of we've cut pieces of material that just cover the whole front of a body. So from behind, they look naked, but they're wearing like almost like a full chest plate. So they've mm. got more coverage. They don't want to have their stomach out. Um, but it's really interesting underwear and stuff as well. So like if that person's in underwear, yeah, things like a jock strap or a dance belt are all good um, just for extra kind of hold. Um, but underwear as well, you know, like considering underwear, there's so much underwear that's, for example, like if you're going for a bra or knickers, some of them are lacy. Mm. So you don't want like a see-through, you need something that's sort of solid, you know. So all that kind of stuff, you need to have that conversation. And I've done that before where they've turned up with loads of lumpy underwear, but the actor's like, oh, it's totally see-through. You can see my nipples through that, you know. Yeah. And depending on the scale of the show as well, like if someone's naked, they might use VFX to put genitalia back in. And when they're on set, they're actually just swearing um, whatever. Speaking to a VFX supervisor, uh, VFX person, sorry, and they're saying about for one job, there's a point where you can see someone's uh, penis, and it's literally like it's their arm. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the VFX person's arm. That kind of they use that because you only see a flash of it, so they use that for the same uh, thing. So yeah, there's, there's all these little tricks. <laughs> I've, I've worked with a job with a prosthetic penis as well, where um, someone's had to flash. Uh, and so they weren't flashing their own penis. They, they, it was a prosthetic penis. And so that kind of protects the actor as well there. In that instance, they're playing someone that's doing, you know, um, something that's not very nice, like, and, and it's just making them, yeah. So, yeah, prosthetic penis. That was interesting day at work. Also, I guess, when you've read the script, is there ever a point where you might read it and be like, is this necessary? Yeah. Or is that something you'd it'd be more like in conversation with the actors and 
they flag up stuff. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, like, and, and again, it's it's more of the conversation. Like, yeah, is this telling the story? Is this is this necessary for the cat? Often for me, uh, I love an opportunity where there's some intimacy because it's like brilliant. This is an opportunity to reveal something about your characters. It's power play. You know, what's the story going on here? What's how are you before that moment? When the moment happens and how you changed afterwards you know i'm like brilliant it's a great opportunity to for an actor to really reveal something about themselves and a see and, and like a personal side of that character you know like their secret side rather than their daily outs you know generally an intimate moment um so i'm you know you find out why that moment is there and root it into the storytelling and then if it doesn't sort of seem to fit within the storytelling or something about it may be unnecessary then we can have that conversation like you know, often maybe that intimate moment is needed, but they don't necessarily need to take their top off during it. Or, you know, you, you, or we can see the beginning of that stage, but do we need to see the full penetration? I don't know. Is that important to the story? If, if the cast or a certain actor is not particularly sort of into that moment. So yeah, yeah. You can have that conversation and say, is that necessary? I'm quite fortunate. I don't think I've ever worked on anything that I felt is gratuitous. I don't, you know, um, and I think I, I haven't worked on anything that hasn't had reason when I've spoken to the director about it. I've worked on different kinds of shows that's maybe had kind of content that I'm not naturally sort of that into, but it's the genre of that, you know, it was like a horror or something, you know, like mm. I'm, I'm not I'm a wimp and I'm scared of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, like, but, you know, but if it fits the, the, the genre and it works for that story, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it does fulfill a purpose so yeah so i think i don't think i personally have ever come across something where i've gone that's really unnecessary but i have come across stuff where i've gone within that moment is it do we have to see bare bum or can that be under a sheet you know or you know is that absolutely necessary that we see their forefront as they get out of the shower we can tell that they're fully naked if you go from the side or the back you know it's sort of, and I understand because directors also have these beautiful, like the body is beautiful, like what shapes we make and how we touch is absolutely gorgeous storytelling. And I understand that from a director's vision. So it's about, you know, really having clarity about that. Um, if you do come up again to those moments where you go, mm, why is this here? What's the, you know, you ask the questions, go back to the director, back to the production, back to the past, you know. Great. I guess by that moment when you are having those conversations, you've developed a relationship with a director to know that, you know, they know where you're coming from rather than you questioning, well, you know, the, the actual storytelling, um, you know, why do you need that in there? And then them having to sort of like justify to you um, what it is. But I'm guessing that you've obviously built a relationship then. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, because you don't want to, you know, especially if the director's written it or the because this is the writers as well, you know, you, you don't want to question someone's creativity or their art, but you, you, you know, if you are coming up against something where it's a cast member who's not quite as comfortable, so I would go back and say, look, yeah, they they really are up for this moment of storytelling, but there's this moment here. Is it is it essential that we see this? Um, how can, can how can we still tell that story for you um, by but by keeping within their boundaries and keeping everyone happy? So let's look at a, an example then. So say there's an intimate scene, scene X that involves two actors. We need to direct it. What happens in the lead up to the shoot and on the day? Um, and if you talk us through some of the techniques that you use, you know, to create intimacy between um, actors and what what work you do away from the actors with the director as well. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, going back, you go back to the breakdown, you go, like, we've got this scene coming up, it's a simulated sex scene, 
got two people, they take their clothes off, they fall into the bed, um, and it's the first time they're having sex, for example, maybe. So I want to say, I've asked the director, yeah, what, because hopefully, you know, we understand the characters and, you know, you see what the actors are doing with those two people and, and at the moment, but asking the director, like, where are we? What, um, what's the heat of that moment? Like, do you have any, do you have any physical shape? Um, like, do you, do you see them like bolt through the door? Do they fall onto the bed? Do they standy up? You know, I asked the director, do they have a physical vision? Like for, for this moment, um, who's leading who? Uh, how do we start? How do we, and, you know, is it sort of, do we climax? That's a question I often ask. Are we with them for the climax of penetration? Do we, do we see these moments or understand these moments, you know, that are happening? Um, or is it something that they fall out of frame, you know, and then we, we sort of tail off and you can just hear them, you know, that could be the, the sex scene. So I want to understand from the director what as much as possible, if they have an idea. So before I go to the cast, I've already got that. Um, so I know what, what we're trying to aim for at least. Um, and then I can go back to the cast and say, look, we've got this idea of a bit of choreography. So, and it depends like some, if I'm doing a simulated sex scene, for example, I would really, really hope that we have a rehearsal before the day of the shoot. So it's not just rehearsing that day. Often lots of other stuff. It's at the top of the day with the actor, director rehearsal, you know, you, you walk through it, but something that's more physically technical, um, like a simulated sex scene or sort of some kind of sexual foreplay at but we try and have a rehearsal beforehand because it's it's physical and the actors are others you know patting their heads and rubbing their tummies at the same time they're thinking about their lines their character and then if you're giving them a bit of physical storytelling it's hard at first especially because we're now breaking it down whereas before often it was just like just go for it you know whereas now you know when you take something apart it can suddenly not make sense so the actors need to be able to take that physical sort of choreography apart put it back together, go away, have some dream time, and then come and do the acting, you know, later. So it does take a bit longer. So it is a longer process because you are rehearsing physical choreography. I, I know it's a hard thing to answer without having a scene to reference, but do you need like a day? Do you need multiple days to kind of do these sorts of exercises and work things out? Well, I, it, it all depends. Whatever you can give me, you know, <laughs> like yeah. um, an, an hour is beautiful. It depends on the scene and the cast as well. So, for example, I'm working on a, a show at the moment with quite sort of young actors and the production company are really amazing. They've given me a decent sort of time. So I've met the cast. I've talked to them individually. We've met together. We've done a bit of agree, agreement and consent of touch. So you probably, you know, you might come up with this exercise. It's basically just... What are you state your no-go areas, you know, you as a person. So today, I, you know, my sort of, you can say your bikini area, your whatever, or I don't know, no-go, I don't want my hair being touched. That's totally cool. You don't have to explain why. And then we take each other, your scene partner, you through your yeses. So you just sort of check in. This is like an extended version. I don't get to do this on all jobs. And sometimes this exercise can make cast feel if their TV actors can be a bit like, oh, not in, this is weird. You know, sometimes those things can be too much. So if that, if you're getting the sense that that is too much, we're like, brilliant. Okay, let's just go straight to the scene. We still clearly state our no-goes. You know, I just want to put it out there. Just give me two minutes. Just tell me what's your no-go area. Great. So it means that all the rest is yes. And we can trust each other when we say yes. Um so, you know, when we're getting down to the choreography, if we've invited the no into the space, um, we can get on with all the all the yeses. So, uh, Anita would say that a lot about um, if we can't invite a no, then you, how can we say yes? Um, 
because actors are always saying yes normally, you know. So let me just really clear. And then we can go, what's the story? Let's get down to what is the physical shape? And sometimes the cast have loads of ideas and they really know what they're doing or um, it's written quite clearly in the script. They fall onto the blah, 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 blah. Or I can share the, the director's vision. Um, sometimes the director is there with me during this part of the rehearsal. Sometimes just for the talking like, moment, uh, as yeah. as you're kind of running through it, and then you're kind of yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So when we're talking, when we do a bit of table work, definitely, I ideally I'd prefer the director to be there as well because mm. it's you know this is their time. I can facilitate their conversations. Do you know what mm. I mean? And I need to just listen more than anything at that point. Um, so I want to hear what the director's saying, what are the cast saying? So then I just sit and listen and go, okay, this is what they want, you know? Um, and then when it comes to the physical rehearsal, sometimes the director stays, sometimes directors go, great, leave you to it, come back and show me. You know, it, it depends on how the director wants to work um, and how the cast are. So yeah, often I, I work, um, sometimes the DOP is often sometimes involved um because so um when they work really closely with the director and understanding the vision or the dop comes in when they do the show a showing like a small if it's okay with the cast and and the rehearsal is we're fully clothed fully dressed we're not in any costumes or in comfortable clothing sometimes the rehearsal is purely like the shape so no acting required we're just physically marking it out beat by beat the shape sometimes mm. the rehearsal we get to do the full layer of acting on top as well with the breath and the intensity and like you know how how far you all that sort of we can get to that sometimes actors would rather do that later on the day you know it's it's interesting it depends who you're working with and i think that 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 i guess would depend you know if there's if there's specificity in the script about you know a specific thing that's going to happen would you would you try and do that full layered version in the in the rehearsal or would you be like well we'll leave that for the performance on the day or, or does everything have to be mapped out and agreed before um for example there's no have to like there's no rules it's like however you guys are working but for me for example so i did a, a rape scene and that was really really clearly marked out completely before the day absolutely yeah um so we did the structure go through the process just doing the shape no acting required uh then you start building up whatever kind of tempo or intensity the grip how hot because it's another thing you like check in how how firm the grip is you know um and then with the breath, and then we absolutely did that scene for real, completely in the rehearsal before the day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, because some people can go further than they might anticipate, um, and it's only until you're in the middle of that you will know whether you are comfortable with that or not. Yeah, and things things can shift and change as well. It's like oh suddenly actually in that moment I felt like I could put my hand here you know and it's and when we talk about that we say in the heat of the moment just have your actor's head on um so you can don't try and change choreography in the moment you can pause it or once you've done it say oh did you feel that impulse then yeah yeah I noticed you want to actually step there you know like so it's really good if there's this lovely collaboration between the and there and there of course it, it's you can be in the moment but you always need to have your actor's head on like when you're doing choreography other dancer knows the steps that's coming up ahead. They do. They they're amazing in that moment. They're flying, but they they know what's coming up next. I, I remember like being on set and hearing like actors uh, like talking about like animal references and stuff for for these sorts of actions to kind of make it something else. So it's it's putting it away from like an intimate act, but it's more about like aligning it with with movement. Um, is that the sort of work you would do in rehearsal? Talk us through that a little bit. 
Well, yeah, and again, so that totally depends on on the actor, and um, and I know like so some there's been another little comedy scene about some into a sequel, and it's getting some stick for doing animal like <laughs> in a scene, and it and it totally so for example when I've done intimacy coordination and intimacy directing in theatre or in drama schools during training, often that's when that kind of uh, in depth kind of association of movement I've, I've used that. Like or elements, you know, just just to really help the actor. So the, when an actor's training, they use animal studies as a way of finding character. So that you do animals at the end of your first year, second year, um, because it's the first way of stepping out of yourself, your own body, and clearly into something else. Like an animal, there's no lying that that's not you. <laughs> that 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 gorilla or that bear, you are not a bear, you know, but you are being. So it's a really great way of like uh, teaching the actor that. So that's something that I would use probably more within the drama school setting or in a drama, you know, theatre training. Or if, you know, if the actor is specifically finding it difficult to sort of find a certain sound or separate themselves from that that moment of intimate, you know, that character and their intimacy. So, yeah, and and I've done it before. I've used, in a warm-up, I've used things like five rhythms to help with different kind of rhythms and breath. Um, so it's me more in the warm up. Then when we come to do the thing, I have, you know, you just hope that it's kind of in the body, and you might reference it and just say, "Oh, at this point, it's kind of quite, I don't know, uh, staccato rhythm." You know, uh, you know, uh, and there's laban, lovely, like you might be slashing or ringing. You know, you can use that language, um, so you're not necessarily using sexual language. You know, uh, you can use the physicality. So yeah, I do tend to try and give notes or. In more of a rather than saying, oh yeah, it needs to be really sexy at this point. You, 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 you this, this, what is that? What does that mean? You know. Whereas if you can use something else, you can use temperature or like, or if people have a piece of music that they're into. So yeah, you can absolutely use that. But often, the luxury of the full movement, like warm up and stuff, is not often given to us once we're once we're on set. But yeah, if you get to do a bit of a rehearsal and you get to do a little bit of a warm up then yes, I try and squeeze in what I can, <laughs> if appropriate for that, that sort of set of actors. What happens in a situation where, well, there's two, two, two parts of this. The first one is, you know, what happens if, you know, if someone's kind of like a method actor and they get, you know, carried away and then they do get aroused, whether it's on the day when they're filming or, you know, maybe not in rehearsal if they're not doing the full thing. What happens in that situation? Well, it, it can happen. It's like, um, and... You know, it's a bodily function. If there's people rubbing against each other or they're in a situation, that might happen. And But the most important thing is to then to hopefully realise it's happening and, and stop uh, and ask for a timeout. But I have that conversation with cast before. So I just say, we're doing these scenes. If at any point you feel that you might be uh, aroused, just don't wait until it's too late. If you can stop the action, halt the action. You don't have to say why, but you can just ask for a timeout. Um, you can give a code word to me if you want, if you want me to understand the situation or, um, we can just ask for a timeout and you can step off set and have a break. Um, because yeah, there are, sadly there's stories, yeah, where people have reported that someone has ejaculated inside their pouch and, and that's just, it's just not good for, it's, it's a real shame and I feel sorry, you know, for, in those situations, but yeah, I have been told that by another intimacy coordinator that they've, um, had an instance like that. And 
and it's unfortunate and, it, and it's hard i can understand for the for the cast member that that's happened to i'm sure that's not wasn't their intention either um so it's about sort of having those conversations beforehand making sure the, it feels safe to stop that the your first ad understands the stop with the crew so your first ad at the top of those scenes gives a, a crew briefing you know um just to say this is extremely sensitive set and content if the cast or anyone needs a timeout at any point they'll raise their hand or they'll say stop or there's a pineapple you know if there's another word that they'd rather have in, in instead so it's not mistaken for any of the content you know if they're saying language within the scene that might sound like stop or whatever um so yeah you hope that you lay the foundations before that happens mm. for people to be able to stop and and you know like the, the, for directors there has to be a, a high level of professionalism when you know when say for example you're working with actors and you've done the rehearsal right and then it's like right you, you call the director to come and see it obviously in the terminology of what's going on and how they're speaking they've got to obviously maintain you know professionalism in in how they speak so they can't come in and be like nah you're not nobbing her enough or whatever you know or stick the ting in there you know what i mean like there's got there's got to be that as well isn't it and i guess you know some people just some directors might not have the awareness when they're early on and they first work with a uh, intimacy coordinator. Have you ever come across something like that when someone's trying to say something? Or yeah, and and, and, it's, and it's hard. And it's something we're, we're breaking down stuff that we no one normally talks about penetration, ejaculation. We don't use those words. Mm. Well, you know, like we do say banging, and like it's like sort of uh, it's and, and we and why do we not say those words? Because we we do get embarrassed, or you know, it's language that we. We've been taught not to speak about these subjects, haven't we? And mm. talk to say like instead of penis, winkle. I don't know. Like what? Are you? Mm. I don't know. Like these, we we avoid using language. But then also, I'm not a stickler for language because you know, let's call it what what you want. But I think in this instance, I say um, I'm going to use terminology uh, that so just so I'm really clear of what we're talking about. That's why I'm saying penis or um buttock you know mm. i don't mind if you come in and say bum you know if you need to use a different word that's okay but i'm using this terminology just so i'm really clear that i understand what we're talking about is this penetrative sex that we're doing right now great yes we understand and then if that sometimes because sometimes that language can make people feel uncomfortable um, mm, exactly but it's like but it's also and also say like um the text might be very much oh yeah did you put your thing in her like or did you mm. ban her you not in her like, if we can use language from the text as well, if that's helpful for the world. I do also try and encourage, I have had directors where they've, it's been a bit slangy and I just try and, you know, politely, in a sense, in a humour, you know, I've, I've got a good sense of humour. I'm not like a strict, like, I get it. it. As long as it's not offensive and, you know, and you have to read the room, you have to read who you're working with. But it's about just having clarity and I gently remind people by using the words myself. Because I guess like the performers might be shitting themselves and have been panicking about doing this moment for months. Like it, they could be new to the set. And yeah, so I guess it's a case of just being sensitive to the facts. Um, and so with with all this, do you have a creative license still and how do things evolve like when you're on set? So like if, if you see something on the day and you're not quite happy with it, can you still make changes? Is there a chain of command? Do, do you need to kind of communicate to you to then for you to go and communicate that to the actors like how does that work um yeah so again it depends like some jobs i am purely like there to facilitate 
their idea. Some jobs, I'm like, you go do it. It's your, this is your section. Hand it all over. You know what I mean? Um, so that does depend on how much sort of creative input I would put into the choreography or whatever. But often, yeah, on the day, if you're there, do, you know, something's happening, you're like, oh, that isn't quite working. Should we move the hand here? Or you need to turn the angle of your body so we need to see you a bit more. Um, so you can make slight alterations. We couldn't then, for example, on a day suddenly change completely the content of something. Um, like actors should be given 48 hours, you know, at least, you know, notice when they're doing scenes of sexual content for what's happening, you know, in advance. They need to know what's going on. So if something is added, um, for example, you know, we need to let them know that and we need to give time, adequate rehearsal for that. But yeah, often, yeah, totally, especially if you've not been rehearsing Say you're doing a scene on a bed and your all you've had is like the floor or a sofa to do it in in the rehearsal room. Things do change, you know, and when you're suddenly wearing the costume of that character and things, yeah, like you said, suddenly it's like, oh, we need to factor in that this person's got to take their belt off or something. You know, stuff does change and evolve um, or it's going on for too long. It's just cut that last section out, you know. So, yeah, it, it does happen. And, but it's about making sure that it's still within the boundaries of the actor. Um, I have had things... Sadly, where it's happened, where I've been asked, we've gone or oh, wanted to change something and it wasn't necessarily probably the right thing to ask the actor at that time. Um, and yeah, and, and and you have to go, okay, that that wasn't, because often things do slightly shift and I'm sometimes that interim, I'm that middle person where the director goes, can you ask if we can do this? And I go, okay, I'll go and check. Or I say, look, it's already agreed that we don't want that, but. I, go, I am that middle person often. Sometimes though, depending on the director, they want all the notes to go through them, which is totally fine. So if I've got a, something, um, I pass it through the director if, if they're willing to, if they're okay to say, I've noticed this, can, can we do that? And just the director wants to put their voice to the cast. That's also totally fine. But often with the intimacy stuff, directors often want me to go and speak because it's that moment. On the show that I did recently, there was um, quite a long kiss scene in it. Um, and the actors actually helped out. They didn't, they didn't, want any intimacy or anything but it's quite a long kiss scene they actually really helped me with it because when i first saw it it didn't it didn't really register like strong enough on the camera um and then because they were quite experienced they understood that and they said right okay so then they kind of choreographed it after the first kind of like walkthrough and said we're going to go that way then we're going to go that way then we're going to go that way and then that made it more pronounced now obviously something like that is easier but i guess you know if you're doing say if there's thrusting going on in a sex scene and it's not pronounced enough if, if you were on set, would I say, Louise, I don't think that that's registering enough for me. I need more of it. Yeah, that's totally valid. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens a lot. It's like, it's just not big enough or it's just, you know, or actually that's too vigorous and we need to tone it down a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Things like that happen all the time. It's like, or oh, we can't see that enough under a sheet in a duvet. You know, you need to see, we need to understand the, 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 the physical story a bit more here. So can you sort of pronounce that a bit more? Or we need to do this for a couple of beats longer or that's too long. Yeah, it's it's we we don't believe it anymore. Yeah, totally. And I think that's completely valid notes and direction. And we don't. Another thing is, yeah, I don't want to look at someone and go, oh, that isn't quite right. You know, you've done all that rehearsal. You've done if you've done all that care and you've consideration about the moment, and then if it isn't quite landing, and same for actors, they're going to want it to work. You know, um, but then it's also say kissing those can sometimes be way harder than like an actual sex scene or whatever. Um, and especially if it goes on for too long, it's like, you know, when you start, 
kissing no longer it becomes like a weird action that's not real or people start getting beard chafe or something like that you know it's um but yeah it's yeah that things like asking for yeah more bigger or totally valid point from a director yeah so it is going back to the, the thing that marcus was saying at the start directors it's so important that we have a, a clear plan or a, a good enough plan going into rehearsals or going into those conversations you know, so that you've got the broad brushstrokes of it in your head um, when you go in, because you can't be, it's not like, it's not like a straight talky head scene, you know, where you can like make some tweaks. You you, you have to go in with a plan. Yeah, it is really helpful to have, have an idea of where does it start, middle, end, like, um, especially, yeah, especially if in the text it just says they kiss, they have sex. It's like what and how and where are they doing that? Um, and who who's leading who and often you know the actors will know that but yeah having a plan for those is is really helpful with the shooting of of these sequences do you need to provide clear guidelines on how you're planning to shoot it do you need to provide storyboards ahead of time um or do you just need to have an idea is there is there room to be like we're gonna like because some directors don't have shot lists so is there a case of like sometimes they can be like we're gonna find it on the day yeah i've worked with all all kinds i've had directors that have had full-on storyboards for their intimate moments i've had directors who definitely have clear shot lids and i've had directors who've gone oh we're just going to do this shot now or that shot yeah so it, it 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 yeah again so it depends on how your director and cast are working if it is a full day or if it's taking it's, it's kind of giving your cast a little bit of a heads up okay we're going to do two more on this frame and then we've got one more frame and that you know what i mean it's like it's just allowing a little bit sharing some information um uh to to those people doing those kind of scenes understanding like where they come in the schedule you know try and have them before lunch they can then go and eat so many actors don't eat before these kind of you know if they're doing nudity and things like that um and having space around it for rehearsal because it will take slightly longer than it will take longer than a normal scene you know it, it always will um because you're doing a physical storytelling so yeah, as long as you as a director, depending on whether you do storyboards or find it on the day, as long as you give that scene more space around it and consideration how long you're going on for, I think is really important. So that's a schedule conversation to to flag that up because you will need extra time to rehearse. It's not like a 10 minute director's rehearsal for that scene. Then you fly, like you need the time to work things out, communicate clearly and and yeah, work for it. Yeah, totally. And especially if there's any kind of nudity, you do a rehearsal fully clothed and then you do it hopefully in a degree in the state of undress if the cast are up for it. Some cast are like, no, let's just shoot this one. Uh, but some people want to, if they're having physical contact, want to understand what that is, is at least like on a basic sort of structural, just go through the shapes. Because when you're suddenly just wearing like some daisies and a thong, it's a very different, different physical action. Um, you know, just having skin on skin. So yeah, having that kind of stuff, and then yeah, thinking about it is it is helpful to know framing and stuff because you know if you're framing some, it can make one scene really quite overt, or it can be really you know like a sort of if you're suddenly got the camera right underneath someone's ass, you know that's a very different. You're doing the same physical content, so it is really helpful. It you know and I, so to understand what the shots are is nice. And often the actors would like to know, okay, this is, you know, a wide or a close-up. We're just seeing bits of body parts. This is your two shot. You know, like it is helpful to understand that, 
I think for them. I was just going to ask if directors have, are they ever resistant to working, to working with you, um, either beforehand or on the day? Yeah. Yeah. I have had directors who haven't, I've had to just sort of just be present in the background, um, not near them. I've had that situation. So I've done as much of my prep. I've checked in with the cast. I've talked to costume. I've done as much as I can in that sense, but otherwise I'm just there on set to make sure on the day everyone's happy, but from afar. That's, that's fine. You know, sometimes that, that's your role when you just have to leave your ego at the door and get over it, you know. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't always feel very nice, but if you know that you're fulfilling your role and you are helping them create the work, then, you know, that's fine. Um, like I said, I have had days where I've just have not been wanted at all, but also that was because, you know, the scene, it was very, very established actors who were very, very confident and they weren't doing a sex scene. So they were like, we don't need you there. And that's fine. You know, it, it's really good to sort of hopefully understand the way of that production and the director before you go on the job. And you as an intimacy coordinator need to understand if you're okay with that kind of job. But yeah, it, it, it's hard on those jobs because obviously, obviously you want to come in and be like welcomed into the space. But Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're just not. And sets are busy and people have particular ways of working and sometimes an extra body, an extra person is not right for that person. So as long as you manage to still fulfill your role to production and, you you know, um, you're, you've done your risk assessment, you've done, I'm sorry, you've done your check-ins with people. That's just the way it is sometimes. Um, Louise, I just want to just go back very quickly about just the actors. Um, when you work with the actors, is your approach that they are recreating something that's not mimicking like you know because pornography is so bloody huge it's not that and they're not mimicking something from their own lives yeah hopefully oh god yeah well hopefully you know it's working from the script working from that story and those characters but absolutely i try and encourage we it's like you hope that the actors are not coming in and doing their own intimacy that's the whole point. Like for me personally, that's why I really root it into character, into story. What's the purpose of this moment? Especially, and then by having a physical rehearsal and doing the choreography and doing it a bit paint by numbers, that to that really does take it out of your own intimacy. Yeah, finding different sounds. That's why when you were talking about animals and things like that, you know, at drama school when they're trying to find different sex sounds and breath, you know, it can be, sometimes it's the sounds that, that come out are more intimate than the physical action you know um, it can be quite revealing for people what noises they make and so you can be like right okay what is your character sound what is you know if, if that's yeah don't think about your own your own sex sounds your own noises and often you know like also you might be doing scenes that people personally haven't done before themselves you know we don't know everyone's personal sexual intimate history so lots of people haven't done a load of the stuff that they might be doing as their, their characters so you know, by doing the choreography really helps actors, um, you know, you take it out of their hands a bit. They're not having to just invent stuff. And also, yeah, I think talking about porn and replicating stuff like that, you hope that, you know, your text, your, your script is really good and your director's vision is good. And um, we're trying to, yeah, more and more represent something more truthful, a bit more honest when it comes to intimate uh, interaction between people. Thank you for that. If you could talk to us about what a closed set is and what the parameters of those are also down to video village and things like that. Yeah. So a closed set, you can have, um, 
it, again, it, and there's various degrees of close setup, and you might have worked with it as like the red zone and then the green, the orange zone. So you might have only sort of certain set of crew that are allowed within the red zone, and that's the closed set area. Um, and then you've got your people's back in the monitors further back and whatever. But a closed set means like shut, shut off monitors. So the only monitors that are going to be open will be your director, it'd be your intimacy coordinator. Um, you'd have your your focus puller and maybe your script supervisor would also be on there with with your director. Um, and then otherwise, only the necessary, absolutely necessary crew are on the set. So you've got obviously your DOP, um, you might have your boom, probably a boom person. Um, and yeah, your focus puller. You know, your first AD doesn't have to be on set. They, they're often, they're not, they're standing outside or they're not on the monitor, then they're just there um, on cut and before action. Um, depending on the action and, uh, what's needed in the scene. And if it's okay with cast, you might have the head or a lead person from makeup and one lead costume person that might be on, on, on a monitor saying like, there's lots of sort of hair and, you know, costume going on and they're the best ones to have their eyes maybe on the screen to understand for continuity and things like that. Otherwise they're not on at all. They only come in and do checks after cut. And before action you know so it's a closed set a really really strictly closed set has very minimal mineral crew um things like if there's any kind of nudity or degree of undress when we have cameras rolling the the costume standby will come in remove robes so there's only a degree of uh, undress or nudity between action and cut so on cut first person into that space before anyone else comes in for checks or change the lights is the costume standby with a gown or cover for that cast member so that's like a main thing that happens on closed sets with nudity having really really being clear not having you know the instinct when you go cut and everyone just comes in <laughs> um it's just like we'll hold until the actors are clearly covered we say covered and then everyone else can carry on that's the responsibility of the first ad right yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but and because you you know, you don't want to be a director or a cast member, have a chat with someone, you know, and then nud. Like it's sort of just you know, just have that kind of respect to each other. Um and sometimes cast like same thing in a bed or whatever, it's easy just to go under a sheet. Sometimes putting on a gown on and off can be a bit of a faff. Also, like if the gowns are like those really thick toweling and it's boiling hot, it's like, you know, sometimes hold up a sheet, just, you know, but it's about um yeah, just yeah, walking around naked is not appropriate. Some actors are really, really comfortable and you have to ask them, do you mind just covering whilst the crew come in and sort stuff out, you know? Sometimes crew, you have to just turn your backs while someone pulls the thing back, you know, like on cut, if all your camera, if you boom and your camera are there, you just ask them just to turn to face away whilst the actor, you know, falls on and something. There's that option as well. So if you're in a smaller room and space. And continuing on from like the guarding of the actors, um, when it comes to post, are you involved in 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 that at all? Um, uh, what are the provisions that are usually put in place for post-production um, when it comes to the way intimate scenes are shown? Uh, who gets to see the brushes and footage? And um, what, what, this is a big question, uh, what's the agent's role in, in protecting their clients as well with that? Yeah, so personally, I haven't been involved personally in post yet. I do often ask, um, I have requested from production that actors have uh, opportunity to watch certain scenes that have had like particular sexual 
content or violent, you know, content or nudity. So they can they can see it before the public, you know, before release. So I have um, gone so far as um, having that communication. I do know that scenes of intimacy, we request that they are marked as confidential. Um, so it's restricted viewing. So only those necessary in the edit to watch that. Um, because also things like playback and stuff on monitors and things, you know, like often that happens. It's even when you're on set and you're playing back, it's just making sure uh, if the script supervisor is playing back something to the director, you know, we keep that closed set sense of space. Um, uh, but yeah, in in the produ in post production, personally, I haven't needed to have been involved yet. I know some people have, uh, some intimacy coordinators have gone in with the cast member when they're viewing certain scenes just as a support to continue that kind of role through to the end. Um, I personally haven't had that, but yeah, often cast, uh, I do, um, want to view. And at that point, it's more about just viewing it rather than making any changes. It's more about understanding and appreciating the content. Um, so I haven't personally been involved where things have had to change or I've known about stuff. Agents, it's about, um, so it's interesting, like I would write, I help the legal team at the beginning do nudity and sim sex riders. So actors have their casting um action uh action notice notes so their cans and their stipulations so when they're first sort of going on to the job this job may actor might have to perform simulate sex things you know and then the riders come out for particular scenes and that in the rider we talk about what the cast has agreed to specifically with that scene the physical action the degree of undress and are there modesty you know barriers and garments used you know um, and I am in their contracts now. The, intimacy, yeah, the use of an intimacy coordinator is in the contract. So that's something that the agent absolutely is overseeing. I often, I've a couple of jobs, I've had lots of contact with the agents before. Um, particular actors really want to either talk through their agent or their agent just wants to be involved in any of those conversations. So that, that has happened a lot, yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's like so much of the intimacy stuff is about the final product. You know? and, and often the actors are like, that's me out there. Am I going to be on some, is this going to, section going to be ripped off and put on some porn site or, you know, like those little sort of gifts or whatever, you know, like what's going to happen to that content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it happens. Gosh, like to all, so many apps, like, you know, all those scenes, something is on there somewhere on this World Wide Web. Uh, and so it's about really supporting that cast. Um, so that's why, yeah, the scenes have to really have purpose and be in context and why are they doing it? What's that moment? And often it is more than anything to do with like the degree of nudity or undress, like what's happening. Um, so you really have to anchor it in story and, and understand why it's there um, and why they're doing it. So hopefully when it is taken and taken out of context, they, they, they don't mind in that. They don't care as much. And it is really, you know, it, it's, it's, it's quite a big responsibility for yourself because, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a, a new actor that's that started and you know it's a big role for them they want to they want to please they want to do a good job and then you come in as an intimacy coordinator i guess you have to broker um you know how much how much they're willing to be pushed because that's got to stay online forever if they're 20 you know they've got to be able to look back at it at 40 and think okay i'm all right with that yeah totally and you hope they look back and are proud of that you know <laughs> like um i hope um but yeah it's it is. It's a big. Um, it's different. Back when I graduated from drama school, but it's true. It is. It is a different. Like I didn't. God, it still feels like I only just got a mobile phone at that point. But like, really, it's a very different world for performers and actors and anyone in the public now. 
And how does it work in scenes where there's multiple levels of intimacy and nudity? You know, is it is it the same kind of approach? You know, if it's a brothel scene, you know, there's lots of extras. You know, how how do you kind of oversee all of that? Yeah, so it's not just one mad free for all. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this has been a massive change. Like personally, like understanding and really appreciating our supporting artists and the jobs they do, and how many, like how often they're used as bodies and 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 to create this world. So yeah, I've done lots of big orgy scenes and group stuff. Um, and so say anything over 10 people, I'd always ask for an assistant or a set, another intimacy coordinator on set with me. Um, just because it's just too much. Otherwise, mm. it's, you know, just physically, you can't be in all those places at once. And then also if you're working with featured casts, you know, lead cast and essays, you kind of need someone in different places so um yeah so first of all i would definitely ask for support and that you go through the set i i check in with each and every one of those uh supported artists right i'll have a little, a little phone call check in or if it's a really, really big group i might i've had before on a seat where i've done a big zoom that before we've met and i've said look this is the protocols of the day we're going to be working the closed set but obviously there's a lot of you so the closed set isn't going to feel like a closed set probably <laughs> you know we talked about etiquette and protocol you know talking about covering up in between takes i've had to do things i've done a big sort of mad there's a big mad scene loads of people in a church and all like slimy and all over each other like mad sort of thing so with those kind of scenes you have to talk to locations understand if there's like easy up tents or green room spaces for all these people how are they um, you know, have we got robes for everyone with costume department? Yeah, when there's lots of people, often, you know, if there's like makeup or SFX, I have to check in with all those. I do the same process, mm. basically, as I with any of our lead or features. Obviously, massive, like, get, have heavily involved with your crowd and your third AD and things like that. So they my go-to people and all your amazing bass and floor runners, you know, they all come into play. Often with essays, they don't have riders. But what I do do is like a, a checklist. I normally send them like an, an email just to tick off, you know, let me know your yeses, your noes. And so just have, I have like a basic agreement of what's been talked about. So everyone's got that. Um, that's something that I personally would do. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was going to ask about that, how you work with the third and, sec and second like crowd ADs and things. Because we, we spoke to a few of them on Friends and I think for these scenes in, in particular, like these big uh, brothel scenes and, and things, they would they would usually cast like not sex workers but like adult film workers and things uh people who kind of make content who so they're super comfortable in those scenarios in, interested to kind of find out how you manage that and whether you have to like limit them or something or, or to kind of like talk them through that process i've done scenes with people who do work in the adult entertainment industry and i've also done scenes like where they've had lots of dancers so they're very comfortable with their bodies and physical touch and things like that I've also done scenes, you know, with the regular SAs um, who are just agreeing to nudity or whatever. Um, so it, it varies. It really, really is like, a, you know, who have you got? What's your mixed bag um, of people? Um, so, yeah, you just explain the rules and the etiquette, the protocols, I should say, of that space. And um, it's just making sure that everyone, you know, understands that this is simulated. Uh, we're acting. I try and encourage them to have character, you know, um, and uh, yeah, just try and, and, and have as much communication and give as much information because often the, all the essays, they turn up and they don't know what they're doing or they don't even know that what 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 film they're in or what, what you know, like, so often I'm having to go, this is the scene, this is the world you're in, this is who you are, you know, to give them something, to understand tonally and what is wanted. 
I'm always surprised actually how often they don't, how little they know. And I think that's something I'd love production to do more. Because <laughs> it happens, isn't it? Like in stunts, you will have, depending on what's going on, if it's a big brawl, you will usually have um, wherever, wherever your eyes are going to go in the frame is where you're going to have actual performers and your essays are going to kind of like garnish that around the side for that. In the same way, you know, if it is a brothel scene where there's like an audio or whatever going on, um, y- y- you know, in the same way, you will pl- you will strategically place the actual performer, adult performers, if that's what they've they've gone for, and then your essay sort of like will be in the background to kind of like garnish the frame. So it is it is important. And I'm and and, and has it happened where someone's been like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do it, and then as soon as it happens, it's like, ah, oh, I'm not comfortable with this anymore. Well, I've had to do I've had to do a bit of shuffling where people haven't felt comfortable with certain other people. And you have to sort of discreetly, you know, um, where I've had like an orgy scene where there's been groups of threes and fours and I've had to sort of place a person into another group and move people around. Yeah, I've had to do that where it's been highlighted where someone doesn't feel quite comfortable with that person. And that's fine. Every person might give you a different, you know, sometimes you get the heebie-jeebies of someone and that's and that's, and that's that's okay, you know, our instant our response. And it's often just something, you know, how we, we don't you know, we click with some people and we don't click with others. And sometimes it's hard then to come and do that kind of content if you're feeling really uncomfortable. So I've had, I've had to move stuff around. I've had to um, also tone down some action on couplings and, and where, where it hasn't been quite, you know, comfortable for one half of that couple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the moment, yeah, and, and also I've had sort of, yeah, so you just, you've, you have to quickly suss out you kind of, you see what's going on and you can see, yeah, they're really, they're really comfortable. They're really good at moving, but you know, you have to, if you have, if you're able to, yeah, that's why it's, it's so important to have like decent time with your essays, if possible, to have the conversations, to really talk through protocol clearly, to make sure everyone agrees touch. So if they're with the same partner or partners, several people, we've managed to go around and agree, agree touch. That's why as directors and production companies, you must allow more than one IC to be able to come in and handle that situation. Um, because it it's more often than not, it is those scenes that some things slip, slip and you have to just be so on it. I guess with that, what's your opinion on how the industry needs to regulate for lower budget productions? So like, uh, it could be long form stuff with lower budgets where you might not have that time because it's literally a budget consideration or like say, short films um, and music videos where they might not have a money for an intimacy coordinator or rehearsals. Um, yeah, what, what do you think should be in place or do you have an opinion on that? It's really hard because part of me goes like, we write all this massive stuff. If you haven't got the budget to then look after people, then maybe you need to not do those big things. You know, like like just scale <laughs> on, the, on one level. I'm like, don't do those massive scenes if you can't care and look make sure that it's all safe um there's a baseline um there are also you know by making sure that you've got a really strong ad team uh, but it's a lot of responsibility to pass you know but but to make you know have clear like uh, protocols read out have make sure that people are reading so if you have essays you have agreements you've got written agreements about what's going on you can still absolutely as a director and a first AD conduct agreement and consent of touch. You know what I mean? Absolutely, you can do that. You can do that as a big group. <laughs> Go, okay, if you're working with anyone, turn to that person, shake their hand. How are we going to work together? You know, we, we can absolutely bring those protocols into place without an IC. Of course you can. But I just think, um, yeah, if you've got massive scenes like that where there is lots of intimacy, 
it is hard. Like I've, I've been on big, big sets before where I've been doing something else and then they've had lots of essays and it's all like a party scene. It's always the party scene. <laughs> and they really want, oh, to make the party scene a bit more realistic, it'd be great if there's a bit of flirting, a bit of touch, you know, like a bit of general kind of sexy dancing or whatever. And it's like, okay, quick. And then you, some people are great and really comfortable. And then you see someone else who's looking so uncomfortable in the corner and you're like, that's, I feel awful now. That person is having a shit day. <laughs> um, and they're now having to keep repeating that action because it's on camera or whatever, you know? So it's always those moments that kind of end up slipping up a bit uh, that might not seem as necessarily needing interview coordinator. Often the big party scenes or like general kind of those kind of scenes. Um, so yeah, you've just try and take care of your, your supporting artists and your, and, and, and give them as much information as possible. State out loud how you want to work. State really clearly, we're going to have touch and there's going to be, so if you are not wanting to be touched, please make clear to your third AD. If you are happy for touch and some playful kind of flirting, make sure you know what i mean we mm. but hopefully you'd have that comp you'd send out a little a little form beforehand so you have a rough idea but also make sure on the day if this touch is inappropriate or not right for you let us know <laughs> i was going to ask if there was any sort of materials online available which which would be like a template for these these consent forms we'd put them in the show notes yeah I well there's like so there's the directors uk working with intimacy you know the big guidelines there back to have uh, guidelines on working with intimacy um, and then there's people like um, Eater O'Brien has guidelines on intimacy on set uh, Yara I think on moving body arts I don't know if she's got if they've got their guidelines online but if you go to the Beck 2 intimacy uh, coordinators working there is a whole like list of different and worldwide gu guidelines that you can look at so that would have and, and the Directors UK it like has an in-depth um stuff so but i don't think there's probably any blank like forms or templates but it's kind of like you know personally i would be like ask it's all what's with what's required within the scene so don't go asking questions that aren't necessary if the scene doesn't involve any unity don't ask what what do you like to be on show but say for example it's a party scene and you might want some touch and post dancing you know you might just want to check in when you when you hire your essays when the when your third AD when your crowd AD is calling up the agents, you know the SA the sort of crowd team. There's going to be scenes with sort of intimate sort of dancing or close proximity. Is your person comfortable with that? You know, just being really clear and having that in an email for starters is just good. Great, we'll make a note to put that in the description of the episode in the show notes. So do check that out if you want to get more information. The last question, Louise, is what's the most rewarding part of your job? Ah. <sighs> Um, I love just, I love working with actors. They're wicked. Um, and, and, um, yeah, feeling like they've done, you've helped them do a really good day at work. Um, and the, and the directors, you know, directors and actors, it's lovely. Um, that's, it's rewarding when people feel they've yeah done a really good scene and it's not a scene that's any more precious than any of the other scenes, you know? That's that's when it's really rewarding when you feel you've just done some good work. I think that's it. Awesome, and 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 you're a, a talented actor yourself. You're brilliant in the Fragile Package. Oh, bless! Thanks, all. If everyone wants to go and check that out online. <laughs> now 
nugget of the week. Um, Marcus and I consume so much content and we like to share one of these with the audience, things that inspire us uh, every week. So, Louise, do you have a nugget of the week? Nugget of the week, oh shit. Well, my nugget of the week is not necessarily a book or a thing or anything. I went camping at the weekend in the pissing down rain. I don't know, like last weekend it was awful. Um, with a bunch of mates with toddlers. Um, that so, sounds but, like then, chaos. Especially <laughs> <laughs> with was, toddlers. I was like, oh no. <laughs> never worked with toddlers. Um, and yeah, so we were camping in the rain and everyone's putting up tents and stuff. And like for my babies, she's a year and a half. She was the youngest out of them all. And the eldest is like five or whatever. Um, oh God, so this is really not, this is probably not helpful, but I just basically going back to just watching children having a good time in the grass. Like, uh, Jean had a moment where she walked away from everyone and it's like raining, really windy. And she just strolled off in her little sort of wet weather onesie and sat down in the grass and just looked out at the grass, like waving and the trees. And she just had this really beautiful, poignant moment, like, I don't know, she might have been farting or something, but it was just like, it was just sitting there and being satisfied with where she was and what she had. And um, yeah, taking just a little time out just to reflect and be peaceful. And I just thought that was really beautiful. And it just like reminded me to like, you know, slow down, look at children, see what they do. Also, you know, it's not bad weather, it's bad clothing she had great clothing on that day so <laughs> like no, i think that's really nice because i think yeah like as adults you kind of get swept up and you're always working towards something or like the stress of you're trying to manage something where it's like being present and just taking in what's around you it's, children have that luxury i guess yeah just slowing down and she just she just did that she just took herself off and yeah and it was very beautiful and and you just go yeah that's it's, it's i need to remind myself to do that more often that's lovely contentment love that how about you Oz uh, mine's just an app called Weekend Read which has just come out it's done by John August from Script Notes he did the Script Notes podcast and he also owns a app company and they've just released version 2 of Weekend Read which is a app that allows you to put any script into it and it kind of like reformats it so it's easier to read and you can just fly through scripts and it's because it's version 2 it's just so good ah. it just make, helps you read Easier to read how? What does it do to make it easier? It changes it changes the font and it changes the it changes the formatting of it. So that they, they, it's still there, but it just changes the font so you're not looking at courier, you're not looking at sort uh, of like just like a, a, a block of like action line on the on the page. It just makes it look so much easier to the eye. Uh, and you can just fly through a script and, and they they always update it as well. They always put Every week they're putting on, you know, new new scripts and stuff. But you can you can put anything into it. You can put any PDF into it. Like people send me shorts and stuff or scripts to read. I'd read it in that. In weekend, it's called Weekend Read. Weekend Read, yeah. It's an it's an app. I think it's about a tenner for the year. I think it is or something. But it's if if you're into reading a lot of scripts and you know the writers and the writer directors that listen to our podcast, I I, I advise you that you check it. I'll get a trial, see what it's like. And then, yeah, I, I've been using it for years and I, I read a lot of scripts with it. Amazing. And now on this new one as well, this last thing, it actually allows you to now make notes on it and highlight things that you like. So you can, so if there's something that you, you like, you know, if there's a quote or whatever, you can you can do that on there. Be checking it out. That's cool. Marcus, what about you? Um, so for me, it's a podcast. It's 
called the Meet the Producer podcast uh, from the Production Guild. And yeah, this was a recommendation from the producer that I'm currently working with, Jordi Moreira, uh, but it's super useful. So um, if you want to follow up on the conversation that we had with the the lovely Helen Simmons, then go and check this out and dig further to, to gain an understanding of what producers bring to the table and how they tick, what they what their thought processes are and what got them into doing what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I'm going to listen to I've worked with Helen uh, on Horde. Oh, amazing. Luna Carmen, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm really keen to see it, actually. There's, there's lots of good murmurings about it anyway in the ether. Yeah, Luna's wicked. And, and yeah, Helen was lovely to work with. Awesome. Yeah, she's good peoples. Um, and she keeps shouting out about us, which is very, very helpful. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Louise. That was a really uh, insightful discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was lovely chatting to you both. Yeah, that concludes the episode. So uh, next week, we are going to be joined by another exciting guest, I'm sure. So follow socials to find out who we'll be having on. If anyone does happen to be listening, get your questions in at the director's take at outlook.com. And we want you to tell us what you want to know about directing or the film industry at large. And we'll do our best to tell you. We want to shape this as a resource for you. So do get your questions in and reach out to us on Instagram, which is the director's take podcast. And also on Twitter, which is at director's take. Louise, are you on any social media? Oh, yeah, but I'm not very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just see pictures of my That's baby. Fine. Oh, I think my Instagram's Lou.Kempton. Let me look, let me look at it. Lou.Kempton, L-O-U.Kempton, K-E-M-P-T-O-N. Also, if you're listening, please leave us a review on whichever platform you get your podcast from. And I think that's it. So until next time, keep learning, keep failing and keep the faith.